and awesome, awesome. Yo, 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 what it do, what it do, everybody. It's your boy, Yellow the Poet. I am here doing another one of these awesome interviews today. So everybody put your hands together and let's do it for Mr. Rich LaMonica. I am definitely grateful that you decided to join us today. Thank you so, so much. Um, excited to actually get into this because I am very interested in knowing your author. I too am an author. I love it. Um, definitely some motivational speaking. And I'm so interested in what you got going on. So please give us some insight about what you're doing and how you're doing your thing. We're looking forward to it. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, yo, thanks for inviting me. You, you reached out to me and uh, I said, oh, I got to jump on this. I, I, I thought your name was awesome. So this, this is awesome. I'm going to go the poet. This is great. I mean, I'm not a great poet. I've written some poetry in my life, but nothing great. But uh, you know, I, I was honored to be asked to come on and uh, yeah, humbled a little bit to, to say, Lisa, I'm getting, getting reached out by a lot of people lately. And it's awesome to get reached out. Uh, like you said, I am an author. I wrote uh, the 13 step guide to success it's right here. Yes. It was uh, published uh, just before Christmas last year. It's still uh, it's on Amazon and uh, it's an uh, I guess a uh, paperback, uh, Audible, and then of course the e-readers. So you can get uh, all three of them that way. You can get them on Amazon. You can go through my website, MisfitNation.com, and uh, get it there as well. But that that was my first book. That was actually the second book I was writing. The first book I was writing, I've been taking it like a baby and just kind of massaging it and making it into this mold that you want it to be and it was supposed to be out about four months before that one. It's still not out yet because I keep cutting out pages I don't like, adding pages I do like. And you know the process being an author. You hate, it. You yes. hate what you do sometimes and you rip it up and, and throw it out and punch the computer. And yes. then you walk away for about three weeks and come back and say, ah, oh, I got to get this right. And, yes. Yes. and yes. here I am. And then yesterday I wrote, I think, 50-something pages on the on that book yesterday. Just I went, I went crazy on it yesterday, just writing. I said, this is a good day. And awesome. I went nuts. Awesome. Sometimes. And, uh, I know I know you've probably hit that wall sometimes just sitting there and you're typing and the lights just go out in your eyes and you're like, oh, <laughs> what am I writing? And then you look it back and say, what did I write? And, oh, man, that's crazy. <laughs> That is so true. That is so true. But my, like, like we, talked, we talked in the pre-show about goals, and my goal for this year was to get this book finally finished and by Christmas this year. So that's probably why I had that motivation yesterday as I looked at the calendar and said, oh, this year is flying by. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I thought <laughs> the only one who, said, who thought that this year is definitely flying by. Oh, my. Yes. I just don't understand how it's going by so fast. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give us a summary of what um, 13 Steps, uh, 13 Step Guide to Success is about? I am totally intrigued by this. The title alone has got me totally interested. And I am going to purchase your book. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, uh, you know, during the pandemic, uh, 2020 is when I actually started this book. And uh, but it wasn't being written as a book, it was written as a funny post on Facebook at the end of each month. Oh, wow! So, <laughs> at the end of each month, I said, I'd say, Welcome to welcome to this level, Jumanji. You've made it, and uh, you've done this, this, and this this month. So, next month, we have these challenges coming up to make it to the next level. <laughs> at the end of the December, I wrote one that was 13 steps I wrote in there, and my daughter's like, You need to get this into a book, Dad. I said, Yeah, yeah, whatever, and then. So as 2021 progressed, I started actually writing it, and then she be, she's my editor, so she was published right out of high school, which was like, like we were talking in the pre-show, we were always proud of our daughters. Yes. I got published out of high school, I went on a book tour with her, and now I'm publishing, and she's my editor, and she's hard, she's hard as nails, and uh, it took an extra two months to get it out with her editing, and us going back and forth, and uh, we took a lot of lunches together, and uh <laughs> a lot of biting and biting words and uh, the book finally came out in december last year but in, in the book what i do is it's not about becoming a successful business person it's not about uh anything uh mind altering but it's about being a better person and uh, building your community into what we need in our country now if you look from the outside looking in or you look at our country it's wow something's wrong with america mm -hmm. in this book what i do is 
step one is tell the people around you what you feel about them. I care like you care about them. Hey, bro, I love you, brother. Shake your hands, give a give a bro yeah. hug, high five, whatever you do to make them make them happy. Go outside and breathe the air. Step two: don't be afraid to breathe. It won't kill you. Exactly. You walk outside, it will not kill you. I mean, today I walked like I told you in a pre-show over twelve miles, almost thirteen miles, and I'm still here talking to you. I'm, yeah. My feet hurt a little bit, but I'm talking to you, and <laughs> it did not kill me. It goes down at get out of that three foot circle. Yeah, I mean, get out of your three foot circle, that protective barrier, and and see other people. Look them in the eyes. Get off your cell phones for a little bit every day, and look up. I mean, look up three inches, you'll see a whole new world. I mean, look down and see a dog because dogs are always cool to play with, but, yeah. and or you might trip them or a child. But <laughs> look up in the air and see people. Well, look in the eyes and say hello. How are you? And yeah. you'll be surprised what happens when you do that. Mm-hmm. It'll change their day too because one, they'll be in shock that someone spoke to them and wasn't angry at them, and two, your smiling makes them smile. It's infectious. Once you smile, it makes an infection go across, and they smile. And uh, step six is one of my favorite ones. Be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. And this goes right to you right there because you're hungry, you're <laughs> humble, and you're hustling right now. I mean, you're burning the candle at both ends, but you're hustling. Huh? And I might have talked to you for that right there. Thank you're you. right there at step six already. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I think that we're both um, getting out here doing things and definitely doing something that we actually love. And it's definitely a passion anytime that you can take the time out to write things that are step by step or things that actually come from the heart. When you're doing things like that, these are the types of things that people want to and need to hear. These are things that people gravitate to. And why are they gravitating to these things? Because for one, you were brave enough to put this out there for everybody to see it. And once you put that out there, now you're waiting to see what people are going to reciprocate from what you actually put out there. And once they've gotten whatever interpretations that they've gotten from it, now here comes where it turns around and say, boom, here's my question for you. Since you said this in your book, or since you said this in an article, since you said this on your video, since you said this, here's my question. <laughs> and it, it it's just for you. one fun venue all in all. Right. <laughs> just continue, and that continues the conversation, which is awesome as well, because my goal is, I, I really would love to see our communities get back to where they were, like when we were growing up, and you can go outside and get parented by everyone in the block those were great days when I couldn't go two houses down without getting yelled at by some mom that was two houses down because I was afraid of her too. She had carte blanche to beat me if I did something wrong. And yeah. I think that's what we need to get back to. I mean, you don't have to beat everybody, but you have to have to instill the, the fear of God into them so they don't do something stupid. <laughs> and I'll say another thing to add to that because this also, the things that you just mentioned, they also happened in my community. But we also had those people that if someone came from outside of your neighborhood, you had all these, you know, elderly people who were like, okay, this person doesn't look like a nice person. So look, we're going to run you up out of here. You're not messing with our children. We don't work real hard to get these children the way they are now. You're not about to mess this up. Get on up out this neighborhood. <laughs> and it's just so... Like the neighborhood posse. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> So the more the more we learn and the things, the more that we remember about what happened in those types of uh, communities and relationships when we were growing up, that was something that was instilled in us. So now we actually want to see those days come back. It may be a tough call. It may be something hard to do, but I think that if enough of us get together, we can bring it back. We can definitely bring that mentality back to our people. And I think that's what we need. It's like a shot of adrenaline that our country needs right now to get us all back together and pushing forward. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So um, as a veteran, which I happen to have a bunch of veterans in my family, and I, I love asking this one question. As a veteran, how has this shaped you from the time that you actually started where you had your doubts, your fears and things of that nature. And then you started growing through processing and there's different information and different types of people that you had to work with up to now. How has that molded you up to now? 
Well, when I first joined, like I tell everyone, when I first joined the military, I thought I knew everything, but I knew nothing. You know, uh, I was like a, your average punk kid coming in the military. Uh, I came in a little later. I, I went to college, played football for a few years first, and then came in the army. So I was like the older fella when I came in, but I still thought I knew everything, just like everyone else that, that was just coming in. And you get beat down pretty quick by your leadership telling you, you don't know anything. You, you need to learn this this way. And I kind of, in my in the opening of my book, I kind of give a little backstory of me and growing up in New Jersey. I mean, it was a diverse community where we grew up. It was like the United Nations right around my block there. So I, I had everything possible there, any kind of food you wanted, any kind of person you wanted to meet. Every, every culture was like a melting pot there. So it was kind of awesome. So I didn't really see issues that I thought uh, that we heard about on the TV or in the news and stuff. We didn't see it in our eyes because we didn't think it existed. But when I got to the South and I went to a military base in the South, I was in shock right away. I was like, whoa, why are people separate? Why are they there? Why, are they, why aren't we together? Why aren't we hanging out? Yes. I mean, something's wrong here. Yes. And it took a while for that to go away. I mean, I was in Georgia first and then I went to, I went to Korea from there. So Korea is a whole other, whole other animal. You go to Korea and everyone loves everybody and everyone just, it's a big party for a year there, basically a big frat party. Wow. Then I came back to Kentucky and Kentucky, well, Tennessee on the border here. And it's a totally different South here than it was in Georgia. They, uh, I don't know if that sounds weird, but in right here, everything was kind of, it was kind of blended here. Everyone was together again. I thought, oh, okay, this is what I like right here. This is awesome. But I was still young and dumb. I was kind of, I like to say I was a butthead. Uh, I would still yell at people for no reason. I would launch on people. I had like a two second fuse. If you did something wrong, I was launching on you. Yeah. And it took me a while to grow out of that. And as you, like you were saying, as you grow through the process of 22 years, I learned my, the right ways to do things. And I got rid of a lot of the wrong ways I did things as a younger, a younger leader, as I became older and old now, I, I learned what works and uh, you got to know people. And if you don't know people, you're going to fail. You're going to fail a lot of things. And if you don't build a, a team around you, have a village, you're going to fail. You got to have your village. You got to know who's your strengths, who's your, and what your weaknesses, what your shortfalls are and build someone in there. That's going to build that up. Yes. If you don't, understand, if you don't, if you're not able to identify that early, you're just going to keep going down that path and it's not going to work out for you. And yeah. I was glad that I had leadership that mentored me and pushed me in the right direction and taught me that to build that village. And I still do it now. I mean, at my job, my, my current day job, we have a team that each one of us has a different strength, but together, we're one strong dynamic team as we come together. And I, and that's how you got to do things. And outside of work, I we mentor youth here with the Travis Manion Foundation. We're a four-headed leadership team, and each one of us has a different strength. It's it's a weird dynamic. We're all veterans, but we all have different strengths and different ways to talk to the, the middle school and high school uh, youth. And it's amazing how it comes together. It looks chaotic at first, but it comes out awesome. And just working as a team and getting that village going to build the next generation, it helps out very well. Yes, indeed. That is totally understandable. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it is. And that's funny that you mentioned Georgia because I actually spent 14 years in Georgia. <laughs> um, actually doing my poetry there. I was performing at different venues, different clubs. Um, I got a chance to open for... Um, cool in the game, Gap Band, Rick James, nice. um, Mary Mary, and Johnny Gill. And wow, <laughs> you brought it back there, Johnny Gill, cool again. <laughs> <laughs> when I got a chance to open for them, that was one of the most awesome moments of my time being in Georgia. I was super excited. But I had so much fun in Georgia, and it was when I first went there, it was in 2000, and it was a true, true, every sense of the word, culture shock. It was. It was a true culture shock because you're looking at, again, the segregation of the people and the mentality of the people. And then I even had some people who would actually come up to me, hey, what are you doing talking to this person? What are you doing talking to that person? And I'm looking at them like, um, what are you doing minding my business? Like, why are you worrying about who I'm talking to? <laughs> Go do whatever in the world it was that you were doing. Stop worrying about who I'm talking to. I even had some person, um, a Black guy who was just so hell-bent on being racist. Like, man, you shouldn't, you down here. I don't know where you from. I said, I'm from Chicago. 
what's the problem? And he was like, well, I heard about you guys from Chicago. I ain't trying to mess with you, man. I'm just trying to say, you know, down here, it's not the same as it is up there. I say, I don't understand the difference except for your mentality. That's pretty much the difference. The, the land is the same. The land is owned by the government. Every other stuff is owned by government. People own houses. Uh, people walk down the street. Different nationalities of people live in the same city and state. It's not too much different except for your mentality. <laughs> he was like, man, well, we don't really talk to the white people down here. I said, well, guess what? Your boy Yellow's report is here, and I'm about to make some changes in Georgia. <laughs> I'm shocking <off. laughs> He looked at me like I was crazy. I mean, not only was I raised like you said, like you were in a, in a melting pot in Chicago, the area that I lived in, that was some of every nationality that lived in our neighborhood or even in the surrounding neighborhoods. There was some of everybody that lived there. <clears throat> yeah, you had the the um, gang-related issues where people couldn't go on certain blocks and things of that nature. But the way I look at this, that's your problem. You created that lifestyle for you. You live that. I'm going to live this one where I'm able to go any and everywhere I want to go. <laughs> so it was, it was a lot of that going on. But that's, that's on them. Have fun. Do what you do. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> so... I tell you, it, we have a lot of similarities and I love it. I love it because we came from two totally different backgrounds. Um, Irregardless if it's ethnic background or if we came from neighborhoods that were similar, we came from two totally different backgrounds, but we still have something that's relatable. And that's one of the things that as a human being, we need to come together and understand that it's not about the external being it's about the internal being. And whoever that internal being is, that's the person that I want to talk to. I'm not concerned with the person on the outside. I'm not concerned with the, the skin, the, the clothing, your design. I'm not concerned with any of those things. I'm concerned with that being, that soul, that's inside of all of that flesh, that circulating blood. <laughs> that's who I'm concerned with. <laughs> yeah. It's beating there. That's what matters. That's <laughs> matters we all bleed we all bleed the same color and that's that's what you got to get in there i mean when a thing i think that really separates us is when we try to put labels on everything this person is this this person is that this person and then you make up all these labels now i don't even know what they are because there's so many now and i think if we get i get that out of our conversation and just say hey that's my brother that's my sister let's shake hands let's do this that's it let's rock on let's rock on that's all we need. Kind of a barbecue or something. I don't know. I feel like all these different things, just like you said, putting labels on it, because my wife and I actually talked about that as well. Putting labels on things really destroys things. It, it confuses things, and it also continues the segregation of our people and the segregation of our thoughts, because it's not just us in the bodies, but the way we think and how we feel, those are segregated too, and we have those segregated types of thought, which makes us act in a segregated format, and that's not good. In regards to how you look at it, it's not good. And I don't want to. I don't want to live my life like that. And I'm not. I don't care who right. doesn't like it. I'm not going to live my life like that. <laughs> so my wife, my wife gets mad if we're out. Like we're walking today, she she'll get mad if I see someone walking. And I stop and I talk. She says, like, "This is going to take 20 minutes to talk to that person." Well, yeah. <laughs> I want to talk to him. I want to say hello. And exactly. you know, we got to go. We got miles to do. Yeah, I know we got miles, but this helps me rest a little bit. And I'm talking to this guy. So we're good. <laughs> so, no, you only got 30 seconds. Say hello and walk away. Let's go. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> hey, you know what? I mess with people everywhere I go. Like, I'm such the, the practical joker, the prankster. And it's little small stuff. So by the time I'm done, they actually looking at me and they're laughing at me like, okay, you are super silly. But as long as I'm putting a smile on your face, that's fine with me. I'm good with that. <laughs> they changed their day right there. Yes, indeed. And my wife, she looks at me like when we went to the grocery store, we went to uh, Walmart and we were doing some grocery shopping. And the young lady was, um, not, not Walmart, I'm sorry, Sam's Club. And the young lady was like, um, do you have your card? And I was like, what card? What do you mean? And my wife was just standing there smiling. She was just shaking her head like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> 
like, I don't know what you mean. I say, so you're telling me that I can't come in here and shop if I don't have my card? And she was like, no, you can't. I said, well, that's not fair. I want to shop. I want to shop right here. I'm not going anywhere else. I'm still going to shop right here. And then I continued to walk to the front and she was like, walk to the entrance and she was looking at me. She was like, uh, and my wife was like, he just messed with you. He has this card. Then she started laughing. <laughs> 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 I mean, it was fun. I mean, and the girl, she started laughing. She was like, oh my goodness. She's like, you are a mess. You are truly a mess. But she was smiling. <laughs> right. Then you made her days. There's probably no one that spoke to her all day. She's just walking in here, here, and keep walking by them. And you're like, you're the person that made their whole day. And now I have my card. It's on my phone now, so I don't lose it. So it's on my phone. And now it's just a barcode. And I walk in, they say, yeah, your card. No, I got my phone. You're like, what? My phone. It's right here. Sam's Club, right there. It's really oh, okay. <laughs> I do the same thing, so I know what you mean. <laughs> I really don't even know. I've had a card for probably forever. I have no idea where it is. Yes, yes. So I have a really important question. I, I asked one of my cousins. I also asked my stepdaughter. She gave me her explanation for this. So now I'm going to ask you. And this is for educational persons. So I, want you, I don't want you to take it the wrong way. But why do veterans feel they deserve more? That's a good question. Uh, I've been kind of advocating against that, but I say uh, <laughs> we, we have done, we've done something that only 1% of our country really has done. Uh, we laced up and we put on a uniform for our country and we, we pushed forward. Many of us went to combat and did a lot of, of great things for God and country over there and for our brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Do we deserve more in the back end? I, I believe we deserve what we are, what we earned, and I don't believe we deserve to get free breakfast at Denny's or anything like that. If you want to buy me breakfast, sit with me and eat with me. Don't just buy me breakfast. Let's let's have a conversation. If I if I look like I'm down, give me a hand up, not a handout. Just take care take care of me so I can take care of me, not take care of me so I'm always looking out for that handout. Give me a hand up, not a handout, and that's what I think we deserve. Oh my goodness, that is that is one of the most awesome answers I have received out of all the veterans I've ever asked that question to. Um, some of them, I'm I'm guessing that because they were more mature in age, that they um, were consumed by whatever they were actually going through at that moment. So they were some of the answers were pretty depressing, and it wasn't that I let it get me down, but I definitely understood where they were coming from but at the same time some of the things were that they would say would kind of make me like okay it, don't you think that's being kind of selfish but <laughs> sometimes I just walk away because the the way to end a horrible fight sometimes is just to walk away without allowing it to go any further so that's what I did but what, I, what can I say? I mean, each person that I ask, they give me a, a different answer or a different version of the answer. And I love it because a lot of people don't see things the same. And that's the most intriguing part to me is to see how other people see things. That is beautiful. So I asked you, how does um, mindset and resilience correlate, you know, to one another? Oh, that's perfect question right there if you have a positive mindset or a a forward thinking mindset i like to call it forward thinking and positive you can be positive all day long and still fall down but you have to be resilient at the same time to have with that mindset they go hand in hand so if you get knocked down you get back up you gotta get you get judged by how many times you get back up not by how many times you fall if you get knocked down 75 times you get up 75 times you're a winner. You've done it because you know what? You've shown that resilience and that mindset to keep pushing forward. You're going to, each day you wake up, that's a victory right there. So that's your mindset. Start stacking those victories as soon as you wake up in the morning and write them down if you have to. Don't dwell on the things that you fell down with. Remember them. Don't dwell on them mm-hmm. because you'll learn a lesson from them, but move forward. And then remind yourself at the end of the day, how many victories that I have? And that builds that positivity, that mindset. All right, I had 19 victories today. Tomorrow I want 20. How do I get that 20th without breaking my leg? How can I do it? And keep that resilience pushing forward. And sooner or later, I mean, you're never going to be perfect. No one's perfect. Not one of us is perfect. Exactly. We're, we're all made that way. We're imperfect beings. You have to understand that you're going to have setbacks. You're going to have shortcomings. Yes. But how do you adjust to those shortcomings? How do you beat your way through it? Have that positivity in your mindset. 
have your mindset strong enough that you're going to push forward and be resilient enough to battle through whatever adversity comes your way. Oh my goodness, that, <laughs> that is an awesome, awesome answer. <laughs> I totally agree with that 100%. <laughs> and it's funny because that's also something that I teach my children, especially my boys, because there comes a time as they're growing up, sometimes they are they become a little doubtful of themselves, especially that moment when there's this girl, she's this beautiful girl to them, you know, I don't know. So to them, this is this beautiful girl and I gotta have this girl as my girlfriend. And then because dad say, don't be afraid to go for it, they go for it right. and then get turned down. <clears throat> and the moment that they get turned down, now they're doubtful of themselves. And I have to tell them, you know, everyone is not meant for you. You know, every girl is not meant to be your girlfriend. Sometimes they're meant to just be a friend or sometimes it's just mean to leave them alone. Maybe she's going through something right now and what you're saying and what you're doing doesn't pique her interest because of what she's going through. So sometimes you have to wait, be patient, give it a moment and maybe revisit the situation to see if that's what it is versus whatever your assumptions are. So don't always assume, sometimes be patient, wait, revisit the situation, and then make an assessment based on that next time that you go around, because sometimes they may open up a little bit more and tell you exactly what it is. You just never know. And it could just be a timing thing. It could be, your, it's not time for you two to be together. It could be 10 years from now, you come back to say the reunion and all of a sudden you two are, now I'm thing now, so uh, and it's weird. <laughs> yep, so true, so true. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> so, <clears throat> what is it that your what are your the things that you plan to offer veterans that come to you seeking the type of work that you do? So right now with the like with my podcast Misfit Nation, what we do it was developed to get veterans on there to get their chest. Veterans have troubles with mentality with their minds after they leave service, especially if they've been into a, in a traumatic event or something. Mm -hmm. So getting that story off their chest helps them to breathe, mm -hmm. and that's what I I want them to tell me their story first. Tell me your story, and that'll get that off your chest. Now what can we do to help you? So. At that point, once we have that story out there, that's in the airwaves, it's out there in the never, never lands of the internet world, their internet, the world space there. Everyone hears your story. Now you have something else to offer. Because someone's going to hear that story and say, I want to talk to that dude or that girl and say, hey, I want you to come work with us and share your story with the, this group of people to motivate them. Because your story tells us that you went through a lot, but you're on this other side of that fence now. And you're able to push forward. You've done so much that you really don't realize what you've done, but you're able to push yourself forward. And that's why we started the Misfit Nation. And it was based off my platoon in uh, Afghanistan in 2010. We were called the Misfits, and we've stayed pretty tight ever since. And uh, this week, I actually had one of my sits on my show, and he was going through a bad time. He made a post on Facebook, and I jumped him. And I, I went on text. I said, look, man, are you all right? Tell me you're good. You're solid. You know what? We're going to do a live show this week. We're going to talk about what you're going through. Tell the world what you're going through. Yes. And I got him on there the other night. We did about a 40-minute live show of him telling what he's gone through. So one of my buddies called in another veteran and pumped him up. And by the end of the show, he forgot what was going on because we did an office. And we told him ways to get help and better help than he was getting. So he's yeah. on a better path now. And he's going to be co-hosting with me now in the future. So I kind of twisted his arm a little bit did that. But it, it's what that's what the brotherhood does. Yes. And well, another thing to ask for was thanks for letting us get our story out. But mm -hmm. we also need some help learning how to do things. How do I become an author? How do I become an entrepreneur? Mm -hmm. How do I get into the music industry? I had a couple ask how to get to Hollywood. And I just happened to have one veteran I knew that was in Hollywood. So I had him come on and talk to him, Hermie Castillo, great guy, Navy veteran. Uh, he was on there and told about his journey from the Navy, from from growing up to the Navy into the Hollywood scene, yes. and all the and now of course a lot of life coaches and mental health coaches have come on to to give tips and tools and tricks to get them out of their own way and help them up instead of helping them out. Yes, man! Oh my goodness! 
I truly thank you for that, for that information, because for one, you just taught me something that if it's safe to say, most of them really want to get their story out. And then that would allow them to live the life that they wish to lead once that story has finally gotten told. And right. so what do you think that from your experiences, what do you think that happens with some of the veterans that end up in a homeless situation more so than getting help? I think uh, for some of them, it, it becomes back to that uh, mentality that we talked about earlier. They got the, they wound up in the, in a spiral. They got hooked on something. Uh, it could be painkillers. It could have been something to alleviate pain that they got on the street and they couldn't get out of that spiral because no one was there for them. No one was there to punch them or, or kick them and say, hey, hey, get out of your own way, brother, get up, do this. And they wind up in that spiral and then they think no one's there for them. So they wind up homeless. A lot of them is not by choice. Some it is by choice. You can talk to 10 people on the street and some of them will say, I choose to live out here because I feel this is my place. But then there's some that are out there because they hit that rock in a hard place and they just couldn't bounce back. They didn't have anything left to be so resilient or had that mindset to push forward or no one there to lift them up at that time, just to give them that boost to get them out of that, get out of that hole. And I think if we start going out there, just talking to them instead of when they're standing on the corner with their sign and you try to stare the other way the whole time, because if you make eye contact, you might turn into stone like Medusa or something. So right. That sign, you got to, you can't do it. You, you got to look at them. I mean, sometimes they say they're a veteran. So I usually ask them who they served with just to, I play the the cop at that point, I guess, to see if they really are a veteran. And most of them are not. And most of the ones I've conflict, contacted are not. They're just acting like they are because they think they get more stuff. But if they just are truthful and they seek the help, I think that a lot of the areas have something called Operation Stand Down that helps veterans get back on their feet. And I, I know they're in Texas, they're in Tennessee, uh, Georgia, uh, New York has them. They're in little community areas, but they really help the veterans. They teach them resumes. They teach them new uh, life skills and mm -hmm. things like that and push them to do things better. And they find them ways to get out of their own way and get them set up on like maybe an apartment, get them set up for X amount of months of rent and electricity. So they don't have to worry about that while they build themselves again and get forward. And that's what we need to start looking for is ways to get them to help themselves after we give them that hand up. Mm -hmm. That is awesome. That is totally awesome. I can honestly tell you one time I had um, just gotten, I was like 21 years old. I had just gotten my very first storefront like about two months before this one gentleman came. The way that it happened was so crazy because I'm inside of the restaurant. Me and my best friend were inside the restaurant. We were ordering something to eat. And this little baby came and this little baby girl, and she came in into the store and I was got, you know, kind of uh, frantic because I was concerned about the little girl's well-being, her health. And I looked at her and like, she's in there by herself and I did, looked out the window. I didn't see any parents or anybody. So I'm like, okay, what's going on? So I asked the baby girl, I was like, are you okay? Is anybody messing with you? Because if somebody's messing with you, I will protect you. I don't, I don't care. I don't play that stuff when it comes to the babies. And she was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. There's, not, there's nothing wrong. I was like, okay, well, what's going on? Talk to me. It's like, you, you here by yourself? And she said, no, but it didn't register that she said, no, she's not by herself. I was like, are you sure you're not by yourself? Because I don't see anybody else. Like, who you here? And then I was like, are you hungry? You okay? She's like, you want something to eat? She was like, yes. And so I just totally, again, dismissed the fact that she said I'm not by myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was so crazy. And my friend was just standing there looking at me. He's like, man, he's like, he's like, are you okay? I was like, man, I'm good. I just want to make sure this baby okay. It makes this baby find her parents. Makes this baby get home. Everything good. And she was just like, oh my goodness. We just, we want something to eat. Me and my, me and my family. I was like, what family? Where? I don't see anybody. Not knowing that the dad just kept peeking around the corner the whole entire time. I was like, okay. And I was like, okay, well, go get your parents. Tell them to come on. So she went and got her parents. Everybody came into the restaurant and the owner was there that night because it was late night. He was there and he was like, they're not allowed in here. I was like, uh, hold on. I was like, don't do that. 
I'm trying to see what's going on with them. And I was like, then you know me. I'm here too much, spending too much of my money and my time in here talking to you. Don't don't do that. And he was like, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. I was like, so what's going on? Are you all okay? You need food? You need this? And he was like, yeah, we just trying to get something to eat. I said, okay, so it's got to be more to it than just trying to get something to eat. What else is going on here? And he was like, yeah, we homeless and I'm a veteran. And I was like, okay, so who did you serve? He told me who he served, what infantry and things of that nature. And I was like, okay, I can help you. I can help you get back on your feet. What is it that you need? So I started talking to him. I made sure I bought everybody food. He tried to order one container of food for the whole family. I was like, no. I said, dude, do you not understand? Get what you want. Get whatever it is that you all want. So the manager's like, I'm not cooking for it. I was like, yeah, you're right. You're not cooking for them. You're cooking for me. I want every damn thing that they say they would, <laughs> that they want. I want it all. Hook me up. Stop playing with me. Don't, don't make this into a place where I get your business shut down. Just do what I'm asking you. Make it simple. So the father, he was like, man, thank you. Thank you very much. After he told me everything that was going on, because I cut hair, I went and cut the man's hair the next day. I went and put the family up into a hotel for like two months. I paid it up for the whole two months. And then I showed him different places where he can actually go to get a job. And I seen the man maybe like six months later after I had helped him and his family, I went and bought them clothes. I went and bought groceries so that they can have all the stuff inside of their hotel. And they were just like, oh my God, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <clears throat> I told them, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's all good. I just want to make sure you and your family are good. So he was like, yes, we're good. We're good. Mom got her hair and nails done. The baby girl got her hair done. I cut the father's hair and cut the baby boy hair. It was just mom and dad and the son and the daughter. So after I helped them, and six months later, after they saw me, the man was driving. He had a car. He had a nice job, a, a better paying job than the one I helped him get. And they had a nice little house that they were staying in. And he was like, man, I just want to do something for you. I was like, you already did it. You got on your feet. That's all I wanted you to do. For you didn't have to do anything else for me. That I, I don't want anything from you. I just, you did exactly what I wanted. You got on your feet and you're taking care of your family. That's all I wanted. The babies were in school. I was so proud of them, very proud of them. And that was the first time in my life that I had actually helped a veteran. And I was proud of it. I'm super happy. I'm still proud of that. I'm happy about that to this day. <laughs> that was an awesome. <laughs> what you put in motion there, what you put in motion there was not just helping him and his family, because now he's seen you as the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And he probably has helped others as he has progressed in life now. And his kids also seen what you did as that random, it's like a random act of kindness, really, that you just ran into them and the world put you two in that spot at the same time. That That's what happened in what your actions at that day and for those next uh, few months while you took care of them in the hotel, clothes, haircuts, pushed them into a job, that showed them that there's people out there that will give you the hand up and make you do things the right way to push forward. And now he's probably doing the same thing. Hopefully his children have done the same thing as well. They learned that lesson as well. And they're in, in a way better place by now. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> My friend say, man, he say, man, I did not see this coming. He say, God's going to bless you. I say, bro, you already know I'm not with the whole, you know, it's not about religion or any of that type of stuff for me. It's just that being on the inside. <laughs> the one that helps us to even have this flesh in the first place to have that beating heart that flowing blood that's the one that i'm concerned with it's not about right. anything else but that and he was like yeah well you know you're gonna be blessed i was like i'm not looking for it if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't that's why <laughs> as long as i know i did what was in my heart to do that's right. what it's to me <laughs> You did the right thing with that point, and that's all you had to do. That's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> all right. So where did the idea come from to um, start helping other people when you, when you started your first time that you was thinking like, man, let me start doing something that would actually help other people? Where did the idea come from? 
I think it came from my first year out of the military. I, it took me 365 days to find a job. So I was unemployed for 365 days exactly. And that transition from boots to getting a job humbled me a little bit because I thought I'd, I had it made. I said, oh, all these people I know are Rolodex, they'll, they'll hire it away. The problem is they already hired everyone I knew that got out before me. They can't just keep hiring people and have no money. So I was kind of I was kind of the back burner guy. And then I finally, at, at 365 days exactly, I got a job. And at that job, I was helping other veterans transition and go through a fellowship program. I was being their mentor and get them through that welcome homes to some mentoring. Well, they, they volunteered at a local nonprofit. And all this started resonating in my head. I felt my, I felt my sense of purpose at that point. And I was like, oh, this is what I'm meant to do. I'm meant to push people in the right direction and motivate them to be better people and make themselves better and their communities better. And that's what pushed me forward at that point. And so basically since 2016, I've been on this uh, advocacy of helping my brothers and sisters in the veteran sphere, emergency responders as well, because they go through a lot of mental mental issues with the things they see on a daily basis. We we only see a snippet of what they see. They see things 24-7 and dreams and there's a horrible as well. And we got to help them as well as they push forward in their lives. And anything I can do to help them find their purpose outside of their suits or outside their uniforms is the best thing I can do. And then now with the Travis Manion Foundation, I'm also helping mold the next generation of leaders. And that helps, that really helps. I think it helps me. It's more of a selfish thing. I'm able to mold the next generation of leaders for our great nation to move forward and take over and take over for us so I can sit on a rocking chair in the backyard and drink a beer. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> that is so cool. So do you think that there's a correlation between what veterans see during war and what EMS see during their time in employment? Well, I think it is a big correlation. We see it in, um, as you say, if, if I went, I went to work four times, so four years of my life, they do a career of 20 plus years in EMS or on, as a policeman or a fireman, and they see things on a daily basis. Daily basis, they see people at their worst. They meet, most police meet people on their worst day of their life. That's when they meet the person. They don't meet you on your best day. Exactly. They meet your life. EMS, they meet something was happening, something that is going on. The department meets you. The only time it's a good thing is if it's like a parade. To run. <laughs> they meet you. Something has happened to you, and they have to process what's going on to you, have empathy for you, while also pushing you to get out of that situation. So they, so I think it's so we see snapshots of it in your uh, snips. Mm. You know, with um, wow. Yeah, that is a that is amazing. That is it really is amazing. I have a cousin who actually went from the uh, military into EMS, and now he's doing EMS full time. And I was just you know really concerned for him because like you actually been to war and now you're helping people who is actually going through traumatic situations. And I was just mainly concerned for his, his mental stability more so than anything, but he seems to be doing pretty well. And I'm, I'm proud of him, most definitely. Definitely. A lot, of, a lot of them have to, they have to find an out. So some people it's running, uh, lifting weights or something or writing even that helps some people get through those, like those horrible situations. They go home, they do one of those things. You have to find something that gives you a release to help you, I guess, remove yourself from the situation and so you don't dwell on it that long. And for those guys, they have to really erase the slate quick because they're if they have a call in their first hour on duty, they could have 12 calls that day that are horrible. Mm -hmm. and they have to keep turning off, turning on, turning off, turning on. So it's, it's, it's a rough life. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So what... Um... What happened in your life that made you see that you need to do some form of self-reflection? I think uh, losing my first soldier in combat, I think that kind of uh, made me uh, think that I need to be grateful for what I have. I'm invincible. I'm an animal man. I can, uh, I can go in an instant as well and uh, be grateful for what I have and keep pushing forward and uh, don't 
and treat people the way they need to be treated, not treat them like uh, the military taught me on my way up. That's when I did that kind of shift I talked about earlier. I learned learned on the fly to evolve. I evolved like we're supposed to. And I learned my lessons. And once once you hit that traumatic loss, and uh, they, that's the glue that held the Misfit Nation together is the loss of the Sergeant Michael Beckerman. But that also taught us valuable lessons. It taught us all valuable lessons about how, how quick things can be taken from you and to value what you have and every day and go through it head down, go, go through the day with your head up. And that's what I think changed. Dustin. Awesome. Awesome. Now I noticed that a lot of the um, veterans and some of the people that are actually still in the military that I talk to, you're working with a group of um, people. I was thinking like group of males and different some groups actually work with male and female, so it's co-ed. When you're working with these people and you um, get to a position where you're actually going to bond with them, is there a difference on how you feel about um, them getting hurt or the loss of a soldier versus the family member getting hurt or the loss of a family member? Is there a difference or is that bond really as strong for them as it is for your family members. So with the each platoon you're in, it depends on how long you're there. And because there's always movement in the military, and, uh, people move like it, it's about every two years, people move to a new unit or a new uh, duty station. But if you're in a position for a long time, you grow that bond and it becomes like glue and it's, it's closer than uh, blood family. So when you lose someone that it, it really hurts. I mean, I know you grew up in Chicago, I grew up in New Jersey, and your family was tight there. But once you got out of that circle, you met people that were kind of as tight as they were yeah. there. To you. They they kind of put you under their wing and say, hey, this is what you need to do. And you knew they, they'd be there for you. And you you told them, hey, you have no questions asked favor for me. We'll just do it. And that's, it, that's the bond that you get with the, a lot of your military uh, brothers and sisters. And it, it stays for life. I, I have friends from my first unit that are going to be on my show in November for Veterans Day. And that was from my reserve unit in New Jersey. Awesome. They reached out to me via LinkedIn. And, and I was like, wow, this has been 30 years. I'm an old man now. But yeah, well, you're coming on my live show for Veterans Week. And they're going to be all there. There'll be five of us on there talking about things we went through then and how we became the old men we are now. And uh, and, and it's just something that uh, you don't see anywhere else. And if, if you see two veterans that haven't seen each other in say five or six years all of a sudden they meet up with each other at a bar or something it's like they never missed a beat yes yes they'll so get that first shot that first beer and next thing you know they're there for hours and hours just laughing and drinking and having a good time watching football talking about the old days and they're like oh you guys have been hanging out here for a long time you've been together for a long time oh, we haven't seen each other in a decade wow oh my god yes that is awesome so you spoke on um the veterans being able to tell their story. How was it for you when you were finally able to release that burden from your chest and being able to tell your story? Well, the first time I was able, uh, when I first knew I had an issue with my mental uh, stability, I went to the Mallory doctor and asked for help and they told me I didn't need help because I was a leader. So I was like, okay. And it took me till that year I was looking for a job to finally get the help I needed. And I sat down with a doctor uh, at a counseling center here and I didn't lay on the couch. Like, you know, you, in the movies, you don't lay on a couch. You just sit there and, and kind of close my eyes. And I had these, um, these two button things. And I talked him through everything that I seen through all my combat tours and everything I've seen in my life. And by the time I finished all this stuff that was built up in me for all these years, I was wide open. I said, this is, this is amazing. I feel alive. Yes. I can, the burden is gone. I it, It's still a memory. It's not a burden. I can just move forward now and, and live the life that they wanted me to live and live life that they wanted to live. But now I can do it with them in my head and move forward. And it was an amazing feeling to get it off the chest. That is truly amazing. I love it. I love it. So how do you feel now talking about the things that happen versus then talking about the things that happen? How does just talking alone, does it still continue to be therapeutic or is it, like you said, just a memory or how do you feel? 
I think it still feels good when I tell the stories now and it 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 brings clarity to especially if I'm talking to family members that were uh, affected by it or family members that don't understand what we go through and I tell them the story to see their reactions and stuff it shows them what my brothers and sisters go through and it helps me to portray them in a better light and that they're heroes and they've done everything they could for our country they weren't evil people fighting for oil like the news and everything said they were doing their jobs and this is what we do and we raised our right hands and we stepped forward for because you you weren't going to we someone had to we did it and it's not everyone like you said earlier not everyone joins the military not everyone has that calling some people have a calling just to serve anywhere else will do something else in their communities but you have to do something in order to feel that light and i think that's what telling that story helps them to understand why we do what we do oh my goodness that is that is so awesome i truly love it <laughs> i truly love it i can't I couldn't stray away from this if I wanted to. Uh, all of your answers have truly been answers that I can feel within my heart, myself. You know, so that's one way to tell that things are truly genuine. And most of the veterans that I actually talk to, you can really feel the messages coming from your heart versus just listening to them and saying, oh, you, it really wasn't that bad. Now, I'm not a judgmental type of person. I like to listen and actually know what's going on. And I'm not just listening to the words that you speak, but I'm also listening to the passion and how you say it, um, the body language, the different pitches and tones in your voice. It, I'm almost like a darn lie detector. I don't mean it that way, but... <laughs> 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 but I do listen for these things. I listen for different vibrations and pretty much just what I get from your aura. Like you can tell that these things have been something that's going to be everlasting for your entire life. And to be able to share these stories and share the mindset is it's phenomenal. And I think a lot of people can really learn from it. a lot of people. Just think it's important. It's my vision. Yes, 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 indeed. So I was um, looking at your website. Can you give me some insight on how some of the different, um, you got our chat with Judy Baker. Was this one of the interviews? Is that what this was? Okay. Judy Baker, yeah, she was actually an author. Uh, she's a book marketer. So she was a great source actually helped me get market a lot better than it was because <laughs> I, I again there's not a case of hard-headedness thinking I can do it myself and I did it I did publish it myself but I didn't do the marketing background on it so she's helped yeah. me out a lot she's hooked me up with a lot of good people and she, she just looked at me we, she actually after I did the interview she had me do an interview with her zoom with her for basically marketing marketing class for 40 minutes free marketing class and and I had two pages of notes from that class and punching myself in the head, drawing pictures. I said, idiot, idiot. <laughs> but she really helped me a lot. And uh, and I think she was an awesome guest to have on there. And, uh, I think before her, I think it was uh, Alundas Havens, uh, U.S. Marine was on there. Uh, really good dude. Uh, he got out. He also has a podcast as well. He has a lot of stuff going on, like, kind of like we do. Uh, Raymond Bird. Raymond Bird is on there as well. It's the misfit I told you about earlier. Yes. He was on my first show. He was on episode one. Yeah, that was just an audio one, and then episode one ninety five. And uh, he's a great, young, great young man, and uh, he's going to be a co-host on a few shows in the in the future. Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to getting a chance to check out some of your work because I, I think you're definitely on point with what you're doing and i would love to be one of those people checking it out seeing what's going on what more can i learn from the experiences of other veterans because I, I just think that whatever veterans go through it is something that we all need to understand and if we truly want to help let's find out ways that we can actually do that without being a harm or being a burden on the people that's already went through so much, you know? So definitely outstanding. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so in closing, what are the main points 
of view that you would like for people to get from the messages that you are sending out? I think, uh, number one, uh, first and foremost, have that positive mindset and build your resilience up and surround yourself with people that actually support you and don't um, hinder you. If if your inner circle is not your cheerleaders, they're not your inner circle. They're they're your enemies, basically. They're, they're people that are naysayers. So push them out to your third or fourth level and bring those people. Your inner circle should be a tight group, tight-knit group. Make sure you understand them, vet them like you just, you were just saying with the human lie detector. Vet your inner circle. Don't just let them in there because they're cool to hang out with. You can go hang out with them. That's awesome, but don't make them your inner circle. Uh, two, always uh, look for ways that you can uh, serve with purpose. And uh, and that doesn't mean putting on a uniform. You can go outside and help uh, your neighbor who's a, maybe an elderly person, help them with their lawn, take their trash can up and, and say, hey, are you doing okay today? And look them in the eyes and do that. Make their day better just by being a good human. And three, always push forward with your community. Make your community a better place and do what you can to be active in your community, whether if, if it's on the grand stage of being a councilman or an alderman or something like that, or just an outside force that's helping kids or helping the, the elderly get the things they need. Do what you can to make things better in your community. And you'll see that you'll see the rewards later in life. Yes, yes, that is such a blessing. Sustain, sustain, sustain for all of my people out there that's listening and watching this episode. Please take that advice. Take that advice and run with it. Do not shy away from it. Run with this advice. I think that is totally solid. I definitely, definitely thank you so much for being here, for sharing the information that you share. I know sometimes some information can be tough, it can be hard, but oh my goodness, you have um, overcome a lot. You have pushed through a lot. And I just think that it is something that we all can learn from, we all can benefit from, we all can actually take this information in stride and as we see more veterans we can help them we can at least guide them in the right direction if we can't help them we can at least guide them in the right direction and i see veterans all the time so trust and believe i will be sending them to your website sending them to your podcast so if you see any new stuff popping up you already know uh that that darn yellow he saves gonna be sending people i didn't know he's gonna send this many people <laughs> and more way we'll, we take everybody <laughs> <laughs> hey but i'm 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 very happy and thank you so much so much rich for being a part of the show i greatly appreciate it if you would please tell our people where they can reach you and how Oh, definitely. Yo, once again, thank you for bringing me on. And uh, this chat has been amazing. I uh, just looked at the time. I can believe it's been an hour. It's outstanding. Uh, we do. It was just like talking, like I was talking to a brother. Uh, yes. The only thing yes. I didn't have a hamburger or some, some food here to eat, but I mean, that was an outstanding conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I had a good conversation, but in, uh, the best way to find anything on me is the misfitnation.com. That's the M-I-S-F-I-T nation.com. All one word. And uh, you find my podcast there, our YouTube channel. Of course, you can check out our swag. And my book is on there as well. You can also get the book on Amazon. There's a contact button on there. If you want to be on the show, it'll send a message right to me. And I usually answer pretty quickly. And my wife has me doing stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rich. This has been amazing. Everybody, I don't care if you like or dislike, but guess what? Rich, you're my brother from another mother, man. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate you, bro. <laughs> Real talk. And this is means one love. This means one love. <laughs> so much, man. You enjoy the rest of your weekend. Have a wonderful day. Peace and blessings. Boy YTP is out of here. <laughs>